12 gauge uncut here, Rocky Shaw, with a good friend of mine, Joey Idle. Joey, thank you for coming to the podcast. Hey, thanks for asking. So, um, I think, I don't think any of you have ever got to see or hear this man on a podcast. Is this your first one? This is the first one. First one. So, uh, well, I'll be gentle. <laughs> so, I'll get... Going back, though, uh, roughly a year ago, we were... KLT was at the fairgrounds. Um, and so, that night I show up and they tell me and Ryan Marks that you're going to work uh, Joey Idle and Sir Adam. And so... I'm like, well, I mean, to be honest, I'm like, what the hell am I teaming with Ryan Marks for? I don't even know who he is. I mean, we barely know who he is. I do know him outside there, but we really have never worked together as a tag team. So, uh, and I'm facing two vets that have been around for a long time. So, here's the, here's the funny part to this is, and I'm determined to make me look good. And so, he's like, just hit me, you know. And uh, so I'm going to let him tell, tell you a little bit about that side of the story. And then we'll kind of go into some more questions about that. So let's look at your point of view from what this was going on. Well, my, in my experience, it, the way I was brought up was if you don't feel it, you don't sell it. So the guys that I was brought up with, like, and I'm going to go back. Some of these people probably won't know these guys, but... Woody Woodchuck, let's see, Rick Justice, Ben Thrasher, guys like that, that they laid them in. So that's how I was brought up. And people were talking about how Rocky here couldn't, when he'd throw a punch, he was either scared or he hit too hard. And I'm like, well, hit me. We're supposed to make these people believe it, so hit me. Make it real. So we go through the match, and everything's – it's getting where it's getting really good. We're having a good, solid match. Me and Rocky here go to the floor, and I seen a bit of a hesitation, but I told him to hit me anyway, and he laid it in. I mean, just – it rocked me for a second, and I've never – Knock on wood, I've never been knocked out. But he hit me to where it was almost blue lights. And I told him when I got in the back, I told everybody. I let it be known when I walked through the door. I don't want to hear no more crap about Rocky not being able to punch because if you can't take it, get out. Because he gave me what I asked him to give me. He hit me as hard as he could hit me, and that was fine. Can't take it? Go what? My hand was sore. So so I knew he took some hard shots. Uh, but I, I think we did give that crowd exactly what they wanted that night. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly think that was one of the better matches that happened that night. I mean, it was – it wasn't even part of the story. No, not at all. And it was a real good – real good match. Yeah. So, Joey, go back and tell us – where did Joey Idol start? How did you begin? Like, what wrestler, what influenced you, first of all, to choose to be a wrestler? Then, who broke you in and so forth? 
Well, I mean, I after graduation, I was like, well, what can I do now? I can't play football, got bad news. I tried out for Georgia Force, got cut. I was like, well, fine. I've always loved wrestling growing up. It was forbidden in my father's house, but it got to the point where he couldn't stop me from watching it because if I went to my mom's, it was, she was a big wrestling fan. So my uncle and all my other side of the family. So I was like, well, I had a friend that introduced me to the local scene and they had ended up doing a show at my high school. Like, maybe it wasn't even a year after I graduated high school. And that's where I met Mark Payne. I met uh, Big Wood, Bad Guy 69, which was uh, just Bruce and Johnny Quaz, which, by the way, both of those had graduated from my high school. So it was like, holy crap. And I was hooked. I'd never been, I'd only been to like maybe one indie show. And from there, it was, that was it. And my, I can't believe I'm gonna put her on this, but my ex-wife, when we were younger, she worked with Mark Payne's wife at the time. And I'd started, I'd found that they were wrestling at this place called TWA in Dalton, Georgia. And I was like, well, I'll check this out. So like I said, I, I knew Mark since I was a teenager pretty much. So once I got to where this is what I wanted to do, Mark was gonna train me. Well, the night we agreed that Mark was gonna train me, he got hurt. So that's when they turned me on to Hey, Doug Watkins is, God rest his soul, is training guys. Just show up and show them you want it. And that's how I started. I showed up at TWA one afternoon and started training. It was, I got, I got in there with everybody. I had one trainer, but like I had a lot of guys showing me what to do. And from there, it just kind of blossomed, and it's almost 22 years now. It's pretty good right there. And in this business, 22 years now, you can attest and tell us a little bit about your injuries and so forth, because we, we all know that's the one thing about this business is despite what anybody thinks, it's physical and it's hard on your body. Oh, yeah. So we, we know people that can't walk around, they, their hips are gone, their knees are gone, their back shot. Oh yeah. And that's a total of this business. I played sports all through middle school and high school, football, baseball, I even played soccer. And I didn't have as many injuries playing full contact sports as I have for the last almost 22 years in wrestling. I have a, my whole right side is like, I have muscle atrophy in my right arm. I have nerve damage in my right side, but I, I cope, I still go. 
I've turned down neck surgery. I've had, I've got a bum shoulder. I broke my thumb like two months ago and kept wrestling. Sorry, John Cena, I didn't quit. <laughs> if I can say that. You can uh, say that. Um, it's been, it has been rough. And they say that wrestling's fake, but they also say that injuries are real. And yes, they are. Bad knees from baseball carried over, bad knees for football carried over. I've had fluid on my knee before that had to be taken off. I've, I was not even three years in. I took time off after my divorce. And when I came back, I come back full force and my first training, like my first workout session coming back, I almost broke my ankle. The doctor said I should have broke my ankle and I still have issues to where my top of my foot touched my knee or my shin and all it did was tear. And every time it rains, it hurts. But I still wrestle every chance I get. So yeah, it, it it's fake people. <laughs> So yeah, so anybody that thinks that anytime that the row rings open there and the kids are running there, just dare you just once to jump in there and take a bump on that. You'll you'll change your mind real quick. Yeah, if you ain't if you don't want it and you do that, then you're gonna know that you don't want it. Yeah. So I'm gonna take just a minute. We're gonna side since you did bring in a little part of the WWE. Did you watch Monday Night Raw this week? Honestly, I'm on I'm going to tell you the truth. I watch clips on TikTok or Instagram of Raw SmackDown, sometimes on NXT. The only thing I watch is the premium live events. I don't watch the full shows unless I just don't have nothing else to do. I will go back and watch AEW full shows like because, I mean, it's newish, and there's a lot of the guys that – some of the guys that we know have been on AEW. Yeah. Some of the guys we know have been on WWE, but I mean, they're not really getting a good showing. So, no, I did not watch Raw. Okay, that's fair enough. So, to my, I kind of wished I didn't after the end of it. So they have Rhea Ripley, which I think is one of the most impressive women champions that have come along a long time. And she's been getting a good spot. So, they decide to bring back Nijax. And for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure Joey does, Nia injured almost every opponent she got in the ring with because she's dangerous. I mean, she's careless and dangerous. I don't know who trained her, but I'll be honest with that. She had, like, she first Samoan dropped uh, Raquel on the outside. Where you would, okay, so psychology-wise, she attacks the baby face, drops uh, drops her with a Samoan drop on the outside, which you know that little padding. So a Samoan drop from a girl that size, she's crushed. I mean, so, and you would think, again, at that point, well, she'd take the count out. She wouldn't get back in the ring. She gets up and crawls back in the ring, takes the riptide from Rhea, then gets pinned. So the Samoan drop meant nothing anyway at that point. And then... Uh, Naya comes in there and proceeds to attack 
Rio headbutting her. So now she's already attacking the baby face and now she's attacking the heel. With a headbutt unprovoked. Then pulls her over to the ring and uses Yokozuna's uh, bonsai drop. I but lets that. go of the top rope and does it completely unprotected. Just crushing her. I saw the clip of that, yeah. It looked like she sat all the air out of it. <laughs> yeah, so... So I just, you know, I don't. Sorry, we took a little side note there, but I wanted to kind of discuss that when we got, you know, some of these experience too. Is like we all know we're just about protecting our opponent. Oh yeah. And there was everything done there to put a working champion that's leading the company right out of the business that night. Well, on that same note, it also seems like WWE is definitely watching the other product because. The same exact spot, as we say, happened on Collision for AEW with Jay Cargill coming back. She attacked the heel that Chris Statlander was working and then attacked Chris Statlander. Now, they're saying everything I've read and watched this week, they're saying that it was her her path to her farewell to AEW because she wants to put Chris over clean. But at the same time, like you were saying, with Nia being unsafe, Jade is one of those where, yes, she's impressive and she's come a long way for someone who knew nothing about the business before they did the spot with, uh, was it, uh, Red Velvet and uh, Cody against Shaq and Jade when she first came in. And that whole angle. Well, she does that. Uh, what is it? So, Beth Phoenix did the glam slam or whatever. Yeah, the glam slam. Yeah. Well, when she picked Chris up, she just picked her up and dropped her. It was like one of those Chris Benoit power bombs. It was just like a snap. <laughs> yeah. And it looked like Chris just crushed her own face, but. It's all in how you protect yourself too. So yeah, yeah, we need to protect the other, but you got to protect yourself too. Yeah. At the same time, so yeah, with that, it happened on both shows. Yeah, absolutely. So, with your career, so so tell me is, um, and I'm, I may be wrong, but now I know you've worked with a lot of the guys going back. Did. Did you get to work with WCW or in the NWA? Is that no, one of no, the? No, no. I had a mini trial with WWE, but I never got. I was already WCW was already closed when I started. Gotcha. Um, the tryout in WWE wasn't even specified that it was a trial. It was we were working. There was a bunch of the guys working in. Uh, Etowah, Tennessee, for a guy named Keith Hart, and he had brought Tom Pritchard in, and Dr. Tom worked with a lot of the guys for that show, and he was pretty much Keith's scout. Like, Keith brought him in to scout his guys, and that was pretty much our tryout, really. As far as anything else, no, nothing big. It's always been local. I mean, I've traveled many, many states, but I had never, as far as being on TV, maybe local Atlanta TV when we were at GCW in Phoenix City, but 
That was about it. <laughs> okay. So, as far as now, what? Who was your favorite? I say, give me your three top wrestlers that inspired you. Those are your goats. Uh, first and foremost, it's Arn Anderson for being close by. Like I, I grew up in Calhoun, which is just not even maybe 30 minutes from here. And him being from Rome, it was, okay. When I found that out, that was like, holy crap. Um, Andre the Giant, always like, he was up there for me. And totally Blanchard with Ric Flair as a close behind. That was, they might've tied for third. But Arn Anderson for sure up there. If I had to go further, Owen Hart's in that list. So maybe I have a top five. <laughs> okay. So I want to go back and So I just had yesterday, I did a interview with Chris Kamikaze. Oh, Chris. So, so me and you were, we were both around at the same time and it's Chris's return. Uh, to KLT and pro wrestling in general. But I will remember, I think this was the Lindell show that y'all faced each other. Oh. And so, and he was still perfecting the 450 splash, mm -hmm. as I recall. Yes. So tell us what happened with that one. Thanks for bringing that one up. <laughs> so, uh, we're in the back and we're going over it and everything. And he's like, all right, so I'm on, we're going to go over the 450. And I'm like, Okay, no big deal. Chris is, even with the time off, Chris is still, he has it. There wasn't that much ring rust. I don't care what people say. If, you, if you've got it, you've got it. When you come back, no matter how long the time is, if you've still got it in your mind, then you're going to keep going. And he, he's had it, no matter how long he's up. So I trust him. When we go in, match is solid. I actually watched that match the other day. <laughs> and the match is solid. It's good. Back and forth, back and forth. And that heel baby ratio for that match was perfect. And then we go into the finish, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. And as he's coming off, I remember looking up and seeing he's shifted. So as he's flipping, in this motion, he's coming towards my head, and I'll. Next thing I know is just all I see is black. Is landed on my face, and all I can think of is my nose broke, is my jaw broke, is my eye broke. <laughs> Everything hurts, but it's not like it's not pain. Pain. It's just like okay, something has landed on my head. So. 200 and whatever pounds or 100 and whatever pounds that Chris Kamikaze is still hurts people. <laughs> but yeah, that was the whole just seeing him and then not seeing nothing for a few minutes was a little scary. Yeah. And those people don't know when you have head trauma, some of, uh, all of us are, are well aware of this. That's why you don't know because your head doesn't give you pain like everything else until later. Yeah. So you could actually be, you could have broke your nose or crushed your, you know, orbital socket, and you not really realize it right no. then. So 
you know, that's one of those things that you're always unsure of after it happens. Like, am I really hurt? Am I not? You know, and then it's trying, it's time to get to the back and try to figure things out. Oh yeah. So, and on that note, I'm gonna jump in front of this one. Same building. After the first of the year, this past year actually, we had under, I guess, new booking agents at the time with our transition with certain people leaving the company and other companies merging, trying to merge with us. You mean somebody left KLT? <laughs> well, I mean, other than me, yeah. <laughs> uh, twice. Twice. Well, yeah. Um, it was supposed to be Big Dog and Buzzsaw against me and DJ Black in a tag match and Buzzsaw didn't show up for whatever reason. But uh, they were gonna go ahead and do Big Dog and then they were gonna send one of their Deep South guys in to save the day with Big Dog to kind of set that merge for the companies. And first spot, we go to attack Big Dog. Attacking him, attacking him. We go to shoot him off. He ends up giving us a double clothesline. And mom was, I don't know if, I can't even remember if I tucked my chin too, too tight or what I'd done, but he caught me right in the chin and as soon as he did everything just went yeah i couldn't feel my shoulder my arm went numb i'm laying there going i can't feel it i don't know what's wrong i don't know if i'm broke what and we end up just scrapping the whole spot and it ends up being dj versus big dog for like three more minutes and DJ's still green, so I don't know if he got lost or if Big Dog just made the call and said, hey, we're going to end it. But that solid merge did not happen in that match. <laughs> but, yeah, injuries. Yes. Well, um, it's funny. You bring up DJ. and You did a lot of mentoring for DJ and I assume training, too, at some point. Well, as far as with training with him, it was on the job with me because I mean his dad trained him and for those that don't know SUV is DJ's dad and for those of you also don't know SUV is my wife's first cousin her dad and his dad are brothers so it's kind of a family business with us and I just I wanted to take him under my wing because SUV's to that point where he's not doing it as much anymore either. So I felt, all right, it's a family obligation. And I mean, the kid, the kid's getting it. And he's only been in it a couple of years, so he's got so much more to learn. But he's, he's solid as far as what he's getting at. But like I said, experience kind of goes a long way, so he sticks with it. He'll be, he'll be up there. It's just, but as far as training him, no. I ain't training him. Well, so I, here's a funny part, and and so I went to high school with Mark as well, 
so it was kind of so one that day um, DJ's been on to us and on just about getting Subligna. And so I bring some of the boys some of the boys in training to Subligna and I've gotten all kinds of heat for that by the way. Uh, <laughs> so I bring them up there and uh, we, we have a match that night between uh, six man tag. You remember this? Was it six man or eight? I think it might have been six man. I think it was a six I think man. I it, it was me, Juicy John Bishop, and SUV actually. It was, was it? yeah, it was, it was SUV. SUV. And then it was on the other side, it would have been DJ U and Cody McHale, the Dean of Wrestling. Cody. Yeah, I'm it was trying Cody. to remember who our third was. And so, so we get this. Ta- so I get this tag at one point in time, and y'all tag DJ in, and DJ's so excited to actually get in the ring with me that, but really he's so excited that he's beating the hell out of me. Like he's his kicks are <laughs> as snug as shit. I mean, man, they were. He was stomping the hell out of me. Like, I t- I was messing with him at one point because he kicks. I said, like, "Dave, you kick me that hard one more time, I'm gonna knock shit out of you." <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember that because I looked across at Mark or SUV and I was like, "What's going on?" And I look back down and he is stomping the proverbial mud hole in Rocky here. <laughs> and it was good. He there was no heat. He was just excited, and we all get there sometimes. Uh, so, you know, we, we get to the match because, but it wasn't the only one I took. So then they get, Cody McHale comes in and I'm not even, if you remember this, I was not in really position. He goes, elbow drop. and just drops it right into my startup. Like, Cody hadn't had a few matches. Yeah, he had, he, he had, bless his heart. He hadn't really had any matches. And so he knocked the window in my startup. So I roll over to my belly to get my air. And then he goes, another elbow drop. And he drops another one right in my spine. As I was turning over, and I was like, "I was like, I'm gonna kill this kid after I'm done with this match." It, like, I can remember seeing it and you telling it. It reminds me of a three-year-old and his dad wrestling in the floor, and the dad can't move; like, he just can't get out of the way. It's like yeah. elbow drop off the dresser, <laughs> off the coffee table, off the couch, everything. Yes. So, so I, I think they were paying me back for some training times there, and so. But uh, but I remember going out. Also, I remember us talking about in the back, the finish because uh, Dakota goes, "We want to end the finish with the twelve gauge." And, and Joey shouts out here, "I'm not taking the damn thing." Uh, <laughs> we've got this thing in the business called pulling the vet card. Well, on my team, obviously, I'm the vet. So as soon as I heard twelve gauge, I said, "Nope, not taking it." Not me. No. Not a bet card. But, I mean, if it was told, hey, you're taking it, I'd have took it. But <laughs> I've seen it in action. No. no. <laughs> I'm good. So, so, uh, so John Bishop wound up being the highlight clip that night. So, so as soon as we had worked it out, as soon as I started to throw it, he was going to be holding Joey from a hit when Joey was going to slip out of the way, and then John had to take it. And so, and then they got the pinfall because John John was left cold there on the mat. And um, but that was a fun time, you know. It, since right now I'm I'm out of the ring, you know, I really appreciated those times that we've had together. Uh, and I'm hoping I'll be back one time. What we're gonna see in time. 
Um, with that being said, what's next for Joey Idol at this point? Well, as of this taping, <laughs> um, it is Friday, so I'll be in Subligna most Fridays. Um, GW and Austell, Georgia Elite Wrestling, their second annual or their second anniversary show is 16th, so tomorrow. And other than that, it's just whatever pops up. It's I've slowed down a little, not much, but I'm to that point where it's a pick and choose. I I'll take bookings if it's I've been asked to come to Chattanooga and McDonald and all those. It's just the drives yeah absolutely it's, gas it's the drives yeah. and the gas and certain there's just it is it is what it is i mean if there's a chance for klt i'll take it and i'm just gonna shoot my shot hey if it's prime time it's prime time it's whatever if they want me or if they want me and dj I'm even trying to get on a show in North Carolina. So it's just whatever happens, happens. Well, the only advice of what I can help you with pride, I'm telling them not to hire you. <laughs> but that might be the best thing I can do as far as that goes. Now, KLT, you know, I've always, uh, you know, I, I don't know why they wouldn't want Joey out of there. So I, I will tell you right now, guys, you know, the, I'm, fans, I'm, a, I'm a whiny baby, that's what it is. Fans have the power. If y'all want Joey Idol, tell everybody you want Joey Idol. Blow up the page, you know. It's all it's all on you. Daniel Bryan showed that once before, you know, with the yes movement. Uh, enough people make noise, they I mean, get them. I mean, I'm not, it ain't like I'm going to come around and choke somebody with their own time. Just saying. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I did that once, didn't I? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, the things we've got to do in wrestling, right? Uh, so, uh, you talked about Big Dog, and I just, I, every time you talk about Big Dog, obviously, the back of my head always has a memory as well there. It's just, it's some sure, there's a memory there? There's a memory there. I think you the knocked that memory loose. <laughs> you might have knocked that memory loose there, buddy. So, um... Was the shot her ground KOT? It was. It's amazing how that one moment changed so much of my career too. Because the Facebook page that just completely blew up. Uh, I got calls from wrestlers that weren't there that night to promoters and bookers that weren't there that night. Promoters and bookers that I didn't even know knew I existed. So, uh, I mean, you know, um, Dan's asked me in our last year, he goes, what made Rocky Sonic Shaw so popular around here? And then I still don't have an answer for that. Promotion, people, self-promotion. So, um, but I wanted you to bring Joey on here because Joey really is a hidden gem that, 
you know, I didn't even realize until I worked with him and got to watch him in the ring how good this guy was because a good vet can make someone who's, dude, I'm, and we've talked this with Chris Comic because I'm okay at minutes. I'm not the greatest wrestler in the world. I'm more of a striker or a brawler, but, and, I, and I can do my moves, but you're not going to see me springboard or 450. That's just not going to happen. But someone like Joey can, could, you know, I could have worked an entire match with and looked just as good as Chris Kamikaze did. You know, and that's the telling of a good vet because that's what Rick Flair is known for. Rick was an awesome wrestler, yes, but Rick made everybody he got in the ring with look amazing. Okay. I mean, you know, you would have thought Sting was killing him half the time. And so, I mean, there's a, whether it be, but Flair did that with each and everybody he did. And so, so I will tell you on my part, thank you very much. You know, uh, that's a lot. And I also say that because in this business, there's a lot of those old vets that are not willing to let go and put no. the new talent over and, and make them look good. They're still all about their their legacy at 60 years old trying to be Hulk Hogan still themselves. Or the other Ric Flair's of the world. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely. They don't want to leave the locker room. Now, don't get me wrong, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but there are some that are in their late 40s, 50s, even some in their 60s that still get in the ring because that's what they want to do. They love the business so much and they're not putting this, trying to put themselves over. They're ready to put the younger guys over. And even with me, when I was coming up, it was, I was in that last part of the era where you pretty much got your tail kicked for the least little thing. If, you didn't do this right, you were getting chops left and right. If you didn't do this right, they would just give you everything, or wouldn't give you anything. And there was a time where I deserved it. I'm not gonna lie, my head was as big as this, bigger than this pavilion that we're in right now. But uh, I had a few people that stuck with me and pretty much kicked my head down to normal size to where I just, I picked up like, hey, maybe I need to change this. So a lot of the guy, like the older guys that stick around because they want to still live their glory days and not give the younger guys anything, yeah, that needs to stop a little bit. But if the younger guy needs the teachings, then give it to them. If they're asking for advice, give them the advice. And it goes the same for the young guys. If the vets are, even if they're not there to wrestle you. I've been in KLT's locker room where I'll let you know right now, Mike Golden is one of the best to just sit down and listen to his stories and stuff and he'll give you the advice. Uh, Bobby Hayes. I absolutely love Bobby Hayes. Like, 
my like he's one of the few that when I first started that he didn't take those liberties and he would give me the advice but at the same time he's not a lightweight he will hit you with everything he's got he's wrapped still chair around my head before granted I asked for it but he did and he gave it to me there was no pulling it wasn't a fake chair it was a <laughs> solid steel chair and it he even got in the back and drew a bullseye pointed and said this is Joey's head because that chair was demolished but yeah there's a lot of guys in the business these days that have they're past their prime and want to keep going and then there's guys that are past their prime and they know it yeah I will have to you brought up Bobby Hayes and Bobby Hayes is again one of my favorite people I'm glad I didn't ever take a chair in there and antagonize him to hit me with a chair as hard as can. But Bobby was absolutely fantastic to work. When I was great, it was so great to be, because he taught me so much in the ring about how less is more. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd get me in a spot, we'd be, we'd be working it, and he'd say, breathe, baby, breathe. And, uh, or, you know, we were like, he goes, you're going to stay right here until they pop for you. When they pop for you, you're going to get up. And this is what I want you to do. And, you know, he's, I mean, I, he was as close as I'll probably ever get to working with Dusty Rhodes. And you could tell he had worked with Dusty because he, he had so many mannerisms and the way he coaches you. And, but now, as far as with me, he was, the, he looked like he was beating the hell of me and vicious, but was the lightest touch. As possible, like I, I couldn't do it. if I had a worker's punch that I wanted to be copied from him, because I mean he looked like he'd kill me with it, and, they were, and I felt nothing. Really. I mean I could feel it, but not enough that I, you know. I but I'm I'm not a baby either, so you know. Me when I say I felt it, it, you know, somebody else might have thought he was killing him, but you know I guess that's just the difference in some of the generations now. Yeah. You know as far as toughness goes, but. Uh, but yeah, Bobby was fantastic. Going on the Butchers tour, I, 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 that I, that was one of my highlights right there. Is like I've been on the Butchers tour, <laughs> and so. Uh, but I have saw him in some of his younger days matches too, and you know that Butchers tour was a lot bloodier than what I went on. Uh, oh, so. <laughs> I don't. I, okay, I'm gonna get heat for this one. I know I am, but. Speaking of working with Bobby, before I'd worked anything with Bobby, I was, we were at a show in Tron, pretty sure, yeah, it was Tron, and he was in a, he was in a hardcore match, like always, and he had gotten busted open so bad that they couldn't, like, he couldn't wipe it away, it just kept bleeding, kept bleeding. And they couldn't find nothing to stop the bleeding. So somebody has this bright idea to get a Tampax. <laughs> and they taped it to Bobby's forehead to stop the bleeding. Please don't kill me, Bobby. Also, <laughs> and, and I'm going to give you this one too. 
we are at TWA in Dalton, and we'd had this series of matches with me and Matt Gilbert against Rick Justice and Bobby Hayes. And it, the, ang the whole angle started in the cage. We went in reverse. There was never a solid wrestling tag match here. Every match that we had with these two was hardcore. So how fitting that the angles start in the cage. That's the night that he wrapped the chair around my head. Well, Rick Justice had a barbed wire crown. That's how I got busted open that night, was I was taking headbutts from the barbed wire crown. Well, then the next week, after they beat us, just destroyed us, the next week they decided, well, we're just going to fight. Okay. What else can you do to me? Well... I'm hit with everything that they could find under the sun, except the kitchen sink. Uh, the pillars that hold the building up, my head crushed into a few of those. Um, let's see, I got hit with a gallon of water that had still hadn't even been broke yet. And I don't even know where it came from. He picked it up from underneath the fan's chair. Why the fan had a gallon of water that hadn't been opened, I don't know. Maybe he put it there. But honestly, that hurt worse than the chair did because, I mean, he hit me square and it went everywhere. Well, then, of course, they kicked our butts in that one. The next week, another, it was pretty much Penn Falls County anyway. And Doug Watkins was in transition of moving stuff. And he owned the building, so he kept certain items there. One of which being a Bush lawnmower. Oh, no. Bobby loves this story. So I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I hear this rattle. And I look over, and he's pushing this lawnmower toward me. And he gets right up over me, and he's holding the lawnmower from behind, and he Better cut me off, kid. Huh? Cut me off, kid. Okay. What am I doing? All of a sudden, I hear the rip of the cord on the lawnmower, and you hear the blade turning, but it's not turning on, and he keeps yelling, and it got to the point where you could hear it on the video, cut me off, kid. And finally, I was like, okay, screw this. So I kicked him. He goes, Lucky there wasn't no gas in that. <laughs> I come to find out years later that it had gas in it. Bobby just didn't know how to crank it. <laughs> that came from Doug Watkins, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bobby, Bobby is one of those gems that he's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> he's still doing it, people. He is. He is. He's, you know, he told me I talked to him not too long ago and, and he's kind of, you know, he's he's not doing as much, but he's always, I think everybody keeps reeling him back in. And yeah. so, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to work another match with him before he said he hung it up. But, uh, I mean, just, just that good. <laughs> uh, and so fun. Like, I mean, just somebody you just generally love to sit down and talk to because, you know, he's got stories and he's got things to tell you. Yeah. And so I, I often find a lot of people that 
it's funny because, and I know, kind of from his past and from what I heard, at one point in time, he was a scary guy that you didn't want to owe money to or anything else. He's, he's got that reputation, but I mean, yeah. personally, he, I, he's a teddy bear. Yeah, yeah I mean, what, what do you really say? He was one of, <laughs> he was, I, the first time I met Bobby, he, it was at, I think it was at TWA. Is before I'd started training, I went to school with this kid. Uh, they called him Jeremy Jacobs. And I don't, for those of you that know Adam Jacobs, this kid looked just like Adam. So when Bobby, Bobby trained him. And Bobby told him, that we're going to call you Jeremy Jacobs. Or you're going to be Adam Jacobs' brother. But that's how I met Bobby first. And I remember just when I was still training, just going to the shows and he would have, he's got such a reaction with the crowd and it's not all comical with him, but the funny stuff he does is that it's, it's great. It gets over. And like I said, Bobby is, and it's another Bobby story that happened just last year, actually. Um, Barbour at KLT. I walked in and I didn't know we were doing the match. I walked in that night and they're like, oh yeah, we're doing a barbed wire match tonight. And I was like, wait, who's doing a barbed wire match? And they're like, oh, it's you and Sir Adam against SUV and uh, Bussaw. And I was like, oh, great. I had told myself when I came back that I don't want to do hardcore. But I mean, if it's called, it's called. It was, it's, okay if it's done right well the finish was going to be double suplexes in the thumbtacks and i'm like well who's got the thumbtacks and then there's this tap on my shoulder as we're going over the mats and i turn around and there's bobby smiling with a bag of thumbtacks going they're right here <laughs> so yeah thank you bobby i still have the thumbtacks thank you very much those are my souvenirs <laughs> Yeah, and that match, that you brought that match up. My wife saw you off screen, and she told me she, about how bloody that match was. And I've had so many other fans that told me that you scarred their kids that night. because That was the first one. How did that one scar the kids? The one at Superstars Fan Fest was worse. Yeah, well, I guess that's the one I'm referring to. Is the one at oh, that, was, that was number two. Yeah, well, okay, the number two, the one at Superstars was the one that people to this day will tell me, well, we used to come, <laughs> but the kids had nightmares after that. I'm sorry. Please bring your kids back. <laughs> there, there's your self-promotion for KLT. <laughs> Take your kids back to KLT. It is a family show. We didn't mean to do that. So, as far as so, so at that night, you definitely, y'all probably exceeded or hit an ECW limit at that point in time. <laughs> speaking of that night, one of my, as far as hardcore top threes, that fan fest, Sabu was at fan fest. Sabu was so there. it was like, heck yeah, Sabu's here. I still love the guy, but he left before the match <laughs> and didn't get to see it. So that there's your ECW hardcore moment for me. Well, I'll tell you, I completely blew it with him. 
So mm-hmm. we walked by each other, and I don't know why and what possessed me to say this. But when I saw him, and he had his little thing on, I said, "Cheeky baby," and, <laughs> and I was like, "In the limit wrong cheek." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, "Damn it, that was Sabu." <laughs> and uh, so when I went to go see him later, he wouldn't really talk to me. He had he made this other guy. He pointed this other guy and let him like t- tell me whatever something. And he just like, uh. yeah. like uh, so I was like, "All right." I'm sure he can talk English. He just didn't want to talk to me no more. He can talk English. <laughs> I, he went years without speaking, and then I watched a video of the other side. Like, WWE had put that ECW, the Rise of Fall of ECW out. Right after that, I can't remember if it was uh, High Spots or somebody. They had put out another one that had Shane Douglas and Francine and Jerry Lynn and Sabu and at this point, Sabu hadn't really spoke on camera to, he kept his, that, that was his gimmick. He didn't speak English. Well, he broke kayfabe that night. And yeah, and we, I, I remember meeting him at uh, backstage of TNA. Like we were all there because when we started going to TNA, David Young was still there. And we were going and trying to spend as much time as we could with guys that we had come up with and a few of the guys that went with us wrestled at Wildside and so they knew Abyss and Sabu had come out back with a lot of like Teddy Hart was there a lot of this back when uh, Team Canada was really big and Sabu come out there and he he said something and then one of the producers had said something to him and we were not far from the trailer and he come back and he said, well, that effing idiot walked off. And I was like, okay, he does speak English. So that was before we, I'd seen the actual video. But yeah. So this, so this uh, last Saturday I was at Deep South. And so I was doing interviews with different people. And uh, there's this guy sitting there that I looked at the and I was like, nobody's interviewing him because they don't know who he is. And I was like, I look at where I was like, I stuck my hand out and said, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Oh. And he said, yes. And so I get an interview with him because I was the one who recognized who he was. And he was just mixed in the crowd. And uh, I thought that was so cool for me because I'm like, this is one of those guys, also, he, the, the head trainer of the WCW power player. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about somebody that had a reputation for stretching me. And he was so good at it. Like he, <laughs> he is one of those trainers that when I was younger, like when I started getting smart before I started training. But like I had grown up and I started catching on to certain things. And yeah, back then you had these guys called jobbers. So they always had him on camera and he was hardly ever over. But he was so good. And then it, I'd found out later on that he was the head trainer for uh, the power plant. And from then on out, it was like, hey, I, I, I like the jobbers. Like the guys that can actually wrestle and know what they're doing, those guys are awesome. And Buddy Lee Parker was definitely one of them. Uh, I only have one story with him, and it wasn't even – he don't he didn't even know me. He doesn't know me to this day. But uh, it was Nightmare Ted Allen's viewing, right? Like it was day of the funeral, whatever. 
and we had me and my wife and my daughter gosh this was 13 years how do you even know that but uh my daughter was still a baby and i had had heat with another local guy and we're friends to this day we've been friends it was just we had had an issue and uh buddy lee parker big wood and big will will Ayers, which was the one that i had heat with we're all talking and i walked up and buddy lee parker turned around and said have you met big will yes i've met big will and Woody tells tells Buddy Lee that me and uh, Big Will kind of having problems, and Buddy Lee Parker looks at Big Will and says, "We're going to fix that. Shake hands now." <laughs> well, we shook hands, so <laughs> we squashed it right there in front of Mr. Buddy Lee Parker. Thank you, sir. That was going. I'll tell you another funny story from that that you'll, that you'll be able to see. You remember, you know, the trainee Big Zach. Yes. Okay. So we we all know and love Zach, but Zach Zach cannot hide when he get marks out. When he marks I've out, seen. yeah, I've seen. So we're sitting there, and I have a really good, pretty good relationship with Robert Gibson. And so Robert likes to mess with me or whatever, come come around. And so, but Robert walks over to him, puts his hand on his shoulder, and leans up to his ear to whisper to him. And I can't tell the whole joke on. It was, it was probably not appropriate. Yeah, it was not appropriate. Was uh, it? How do you get a nun pregnant? I heard so, the same joke. Yeah. I've heard so the we, same joke. So we won't joke. go to the punchline on it. Yes, but, but yes, and Zach's eyes looked like Christmas balls, you know. And he went around the rest of the night, just as happy as could he be. He he told me that night. He said, "If I die going home tonight, I'll die happier than I've ever been." <laughs> so, so yeah. Robert Gibson, you made that boy's dreams come true. He told me, Robert Gibson told me that same joke. We were in, where we were at, we were doing a show for, uh, with Big Wood, it was a big show, we were outside, and me and Crash Test Dummy were tagging against the good old boys. Well, we're waiting for a match, and Robert's sitting there, and, uh, Bill Eadies is there, so we're all talking, learning from him, and Robert walks over, and I'm staring out the, uh, I'm staring out the uh, window watching one of the matches, and I think the match that I was watching was uh, Rick Michaels and David Young. I can't remember who they were wrestling, but uh, he walks over, and he did the same thing to me. Robert put his arm around my shoulder, and he goes, so, how do you get an unpregnant? And <laughs> I fell for it, people. I sat here and I, it, I, it looked like I was trying to figure out a trigonometry project or problem. Literally, just sitting there going, carry the two the, the times pi. I don't know. And then I look at him just straight face and goes, you know what, Robert? I don't know. And then the punchline hit, and I lost it. <laughs> uh, that was it. I ran downstairs, got away from him. I come back up, and I said, you're wrong. I said, but I've heard worse from Ricky Morton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ricky and Robert, 
the Rock and Roll Express, for those who don't know who we're talking about, uh, we still get to interact with them a lot. Amazing two gentlemen. If any of you guys on here or listen to our podcast, you get an opportunity to go talk to one of these guys, take that opportunity because you won't regret it. They, they're both completely awesome. Um, that being said, we're coming to a close because this guy has, he is working tonight in Subligna. So, not that you'll see this tonight, but he does work in Subligna normally. So, on Friday nights, make sure you go and support him. So, like, share, subscribe. And for Rocky Shaw and Joey Idle, Joey, thank you very much. I appreciate you, my brother. Beware the 12 gauge.